So now I have the distinct privilege of uh, introducing to you uh, somebody, that, somebody that many of you may already know, but many may not. Uh, our teacher today is Gil Odendahl, and he is a gift from God uh, to this body. Uh, Gil and his wife, Elmarie, have been part of Grace for probably about two years now. And uh, his, um, their, their one son and his family have now been part of Grace for uh, a time as they've come home from the mission field. Uh, but Gil, there's so many things I could say about Gil. He is a gifted teacher. Um, he's a, a builder of the, of the faith, uh, training people worldwide. Uh, Gil and his wife, Elmarie, are from South Africa. And they moved to the United States in 1977. He's been ministering for over 30 years, equipping the body of Christ worldwide. And uh, you're going to be blessed, I know. There's so much more I could say about Gil, but I just want to say this. He is a son of the living God who loves God deeply, who is gifted by God, and has a word from God for us this morning. Would you please now welcome Gil. Thank you, Mark. Um, it's a delight to be here. Um, all you have to remember about me is that I'm an African by birth. I'm an American by circumstances. And I became a Christian by the grace of God. And that's where my citizenship is at the moment. I'm speaking this morning on a very difficult topic. And by clarification to let me say this about myself. Do I am not a prophet? I'm not the son of a prophet, and I work for a non-prophet. Um, but I believe I have a prophetic word from God for us. And it's a hard word. It's about suffering, persecution and sharing in Christ's suffering. And up front, I want to say, I know that in this room, there are people sitting who are suffering. And there's many forms of suffering for Christ. And some of you, it could be even demonic attacks, uh, it could be health, it could be many different forms, discrimination at work, pain in the family. And we know this is a result of us saying, Jesus, you come first. So I hope what I speak about today will not diminish your pain, but rather help you see that Christ cares for us immensely and how we can cope with that suffering we're going through. So, Lord Jesus, I just simply come this morning and ask that you will help me as one beggar to show other beggars where your bread is. And Lord Jesus, please feed us till we want no more. And we pray this in your matchless name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Persecution, sharing in Christ's suffering. This is what Peter addressed in 1 Peter chapter 4. And the passage today we're dealing with is these seven verses. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange are happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should be as a, not be as a murderer or a thief or any other of criminal or even a meddler. However, 
If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at at God's household, and it begins with us. What will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is God's word. May it speak to us today. For clarification again, when we talk about persecution today, I want to be very clear. The definition I'm using is what you can find in a dictionary too, where it says, it's a program or campaign to exterminate, drive away, or subjugate the people based on their membership in a religious, ethnic, social, or racial group. The persecution of Christians by the Romans. That's from the dictionary definition. So we're talking about that physical persecution that takes place. And the social persecution people suffer because they believe in Jesus Christ. As I said before, many of you are suffering other forms of uh, suffering too. But today we focus on persecution. And the first thing Peter tells us is this. Do not be surprised by the suffering and persecution. Do not be surprised by it. Why are we surprised? Why does it surprise us? He said, dear friends, don't be surprised by it. Well, Peter had a good reason to say that because in the first place he knew Jesus predicted it, didn't he? Several places he said, remember when I, this is Jesus speaking, told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you too. So don't be surprised. If we follow Jesus, it happens. And in Luke 21, Jesus did something similar. He said, but before all this, they will... Well, let me... Before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the more important part is what Jesus said also in Acts 1, 8, and we love to quote that verse, don't you? He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world. Guess what the root word for that word witness is in Greek? Martyrs. Martyr. You see, for the early Christian church, there was no difference between being a witness or being martyred. It's one and the same. So Peter says, don't be surprised because Jesus predicted it. Furthermore, don't be surprised because Peter and Paul both confirmed it, didn't they? All three writings, Peter reintroduced this. Several times he referred to it. In First Peter, just a while ago, we had this sermon, and you remember that still. Jesus tells us, left us an example of, example of how to suffer. And then Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
don't be surprised. And finally, in the book of Acts, illustrated it. And there are several passages in the book of Acts that tells us that. Uh, we know in Acts 7, Stephen is stoned to death. And then Acts 1 tells us how the church is being persecuted and scattered because of that. And Acts 11 tells us that this scattered church went as far as Phoenicia and various different places. This persecution that broke out because of Stephen's suffering. And we say there, and great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The disciples were called Christians for the first time in Antioch. Persecution was God's way of sending his church forth. And it's interesting, it's not the leaders, right? It was ordinary people like you and me that went out. And by the way, just to make it clear, what's the difference between us and people like Mark and Jeff and Ben? Nothing. They're paid to be good, and we're good for nothing, right? <laughs> but we're all called to bear witness, in season, out of season, to go forth. Don't be surprised. The early church lived it. I love this passage in Hebrews, 1, uh, Hebrews 11, where it says, And what more shall I say from time to would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, women received back their dead by resurrection. Hallelujah, let's stop there. But he goes on. And he said, some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again. And he goes on to tell us, verse 36, others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive that promise, since God had provided something better. You see, the early church was known for suffering. Even in the book of Hebrews, when it was written, which was probably around about 60 AD, in that time period, the church already was suffering seriously. People were cut in half, literally. Some were, some won't. But that was the church. And Peter said, don't be surprised. We all know the Colosseum, which Christians did suffer, the early church did suffer, Right? And terrible things happened to them there. Uh, lions were unleashed on them. And you can see there in the back, men on posts and women on posts and children. And guess what they were? They were torches. They were lit up. Why? Because they refused to deny Jesus. And that's where the gruesome truth of how the Roman candle got its name. I didn't know that. I, Pastor Jeff told me that. It's the Roman candle that we use as fireworks got its name from there. And as you can see in this picture, all around the people had cloths put around them, and then those cloths were soaked in oil, and they were lit afire. And people died. Why? Because they didn't believe in Jesus. Peter said, don't be surprised. This is part and parcel of what Jesus said would happen. Now, it's interesting we should say, why that was the early church persecuted. Rome was very open-minded. Rome it itself was not intolerant. 
It said, you can have any God you want. And they had a pantheon of gods. But they said this, you must also acknowledge Caesar. And you do that by taking a little salt, putting it on fire and say, Caesar is God. Then you can believe whatever you want to. Christians said, no, there's one God. So in 115 AD, a historian called Tacitus wrote the following. He said, overall, the Christians are a class hated for their abominations, such as cannibalism, and they are guilty of hatred of the human race. Cannibalism, yeah, this is the body, this is the blood. You see the misinterpretation, misrepresentation? Hatred, yes, because they had the audacity to say there's only one way to Jesus. And they condemned other people. So they say Christians should be persecuted. And he said it's justified that these evil people can be mistreated. Persecution was real. But then Paul went on and he said, how do we respond to this persecution. And by the way, uh, before we get there, persecution went on through the ages too. Uh, for instance, in 1600 and 1617, persecution broke out in Japan. We don't read a lot about that, and we don't hear often about that. But the emperor in Japan at 1617 said, all Christians must leave the country. And so all missionaries were sent out. But 47 did not go out. They were caught, and guess what happened? In a public display, they were beheaded. And then he cracked down on Japanese believers. And one of the saddest stories we have there is at that coastal town of Yedu in Japan, where in 1617, 70 Japanese Christians were crucified upside down at low tide. And you can imagine what happened as the tide came in and they slowly drowned. Why? Because they say, Jesus is Lord. He is the only one. Uh, it, it went on. Um, there are people that did not bend the knee for Christ. And then even today, not too long ago, uh, some of you know about Jim Elliot and Nate Saint, the two leaders of this group that went all the way to Ecuador in 1957. And they were killed by the Akua Indians, a local native tribe there. Uh, the story you can read for yourself, it's a powerful story. I highly recommend you go for it and see what you can find out, uh, learn about it. But here's the interesting point. After they were killed, it was their wives and children that led the effort to go back to that very same people. And today there's a flourishing, mission-minded church among the Akua people. And they're serving Jesus Christ. And I say, wow. They kind of said, don't be surprised by suffering. And about four months before his death, Jim Elliot wrote this. This is from his diary. You can see it's underlined there in, on a red line. And at the bottom I put it too. He said, he is no fool. He gives that he cannot keep to gain that he cannot lose. That was the mindset of those people. So, what's going on in the rest of the world today? This is from the World Watch list, and when you go out, there'll be a handout you can take for yourself about how to pray for 
Christians who are persecuted. And included in that list, our website for Open Doors International, where you can see this map and read more about them. You can also find the website for Voices of the Martyrs and educate yourself further in it. But let me quickly talk about what we have here. You see, in 2022, we're not talking 1617 now or 115 AD, 5,621 Christians were killed. 2,110 churches were totally attacked, burned most of them, and 4,500 Christians were detained, and 124,000 were put out of their homes and became refugees. Friends, it is real. It's going on as we speak. Uh, Persecution is going on around the world. You can see from this date here, this is from January of this year, 2023, this article. We're not talking ancient history. Persecution is active and going on. Nigeria was the most persecuted country in 2021 and the same in 2022. And there they are burying their dead as Boko Haram, very active Muslim activist group killed thousands of Christians, literally. And in May of 2022, last year, uh, the Lausanne movement brought out a powerful paper to highlight this. The evidence is there. 185 churches burnt in Nigeria by May 2022, and this pastor in the middle, to the second from the right, uh, he was seriously injured, and his two sons, the one on the left and one on the right, were both killed. Persecution is real. A priest was burned. I mean, you can research this for yourself. Uh, This was in January of this year. Persecution is real. It's going on. This is all in the Horn of Africa. Christians in Sudan are being persecuted. And then we see this brother said, and we call him Gorma from Sudan. He said, I told the Lord before, God, you have called us. And you have given us the gospel. We'll preach the gospel. If we die, we die. But we know one thing. Our fellow citizens must receive Christ. They must know the gospel. No matter how much it is going to cost us. No matter how painful it is. But there is one thing. The gospel must be preached in season and out of season. It's convicting to me. Uh, I can go on and on. Eritrea, great church growth, we told in June of 22. And then in November of 22, it says another 100 Christians in Eritrea detained. Where God's church grow, persecution takes place. Somalia Christians adapt to severe persecution. And this also is November 25 of 2022. Men and women Do not be surprised with persecution. And these countries I talked about are all in the Horn of Africa. That's Africa to the left and then the Horn of Africa and these countries. And by the way, I solicit your prayers. Because my son and I, my grandson will be with us. We'll be next Sunday this time. We'll be on our way to Ethiopia. We're gathering there with a group of 40 people. All of them missionaries, some of these people I just showed you. And they're gathering there to say, what can we do better? How can the Holy Spirit help us to be more effective? Because the ministry I'm in help the local church to be capacitated, to develop their capacity to be effective in witnesses for Jesus Christ. So pray for us. This is real. And I'm going, guess what? We're part of the same body, right? So you're going too. 
We're all there in this together. China has persecution. Churches are being destroyed in China since uh, 2018 especially. Hundreds, some say thousands of churches just been demolished. You don't read that in the newspaper, do you? Uh, this church had 1,300 members. It was a registered church. And guess what? They destroyed it because the government said there's too many churches. It's like, you come to this church on next Sunday and there's just rubble here because bulldozers came in. And we say, why? And the government says, well, there is a church in Shrewsbury. You don't need many more. Do you see the persecution people suffer? It's going on. Can I submit to you, I think the body of Christ has a disability because we are so often surprised by this. If I was standing talking to you like this, and somebody come with a hammer and start beating my foot to a bloody pulp, and I just keep on talking and talking with you, and we talk about everything, and then they amputate part of my foot, and I still make a joke. You'll say, Gil, you are sick. There's something wrong with your spine because the nerves in your foot is not communicated with the nerves in your brain and the rest of your body. I think part of what we have to pray for is that God heal this in our body. The disability the body has. We're one body. Peter goes on and then he says, here, the second thing he's bringing to our attention, how do we respond to persecution and suffering? We do it by learning to rejoice. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Just three things in this verse I want to bring to your attention. How do we respond? We rejoice. And how do I, can I rejoice? Number one, have an eternal perspective. He says it very clear there. You'll be glad when his glory is revealed. That is the first way. Live with eternal perspective. Don't think of right now. We can't rejoice, but we think of the big picture, and we'll look at that a little later again. Secondly, Accept the fact that if you live a spirit-filled life, you will be insulted. He says there in verse 14, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief and an evildoer or a meddler. He says, accept the fact that if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you will you'll suffer. We cannot think we can escape it. The fact that we said we identify with Jesus Christ, we shouldn't be surprised if things happen. In your workplace, in your families, wherever it is, from time to time it will come. Because Jesus also taught this. He said in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in the same ch chapter of Matthew, he said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on account, on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice. 
respond to the persecution and suffering by learning to rejoice. That's a tough word, a very tough one. I wish I could make it easier, but there's no way I can make it easier. This is God's word. And this is what Jesus told us to expect. And that's why Peter could say, do not be surprised when persecution comes. And the third thing is then, so it's live with the eternal perspective, accept the fact that this will happen, and in the third place, suffer for Christ and not for your own stupidity. He said, don't suffer as a thief, as a murderer, or even meddler. You know, and often we meddle with people. And a meddler, I look up a definition, is a person who tries to change or have an influence on things that are not his or her responsibility. We try to change people's lives. We can't. We're called to be witnesses. There's one attorney, one advocate, the Holy Spirit. You and I are witnesses. When we try to argue with people and we get clobbered with a two-by-four, I think we deserved it. If we get clobbered because we sang a praise to God and stood in love for Jesus, that's a different ballgame. So replace, learn to rejoice in suffering. That's what Peter is saying in this passage. Then he came to a third place, a third point I want to make. Replace shame with praise. Peter says there, uh, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Not only rejoice in suffering, but replace shame with praise. Now, will those who have been in prison please stand up? No, we, we don't do that, right? <laughs> when we've been, people often say, well, it's, it's be ashamed of it. If we are, what did Paul and Silas do in the middle of the night? They started singing praises to God. They didn't say, oh, I hope that people don't find out we as religious leaders are in prison. They replaced shame with praise. If it's for the right purpose, don't be ashamed. When we are persecuted at our homes, and there's many forms of persecution, uh, I wish sometime you can hear uh, some of the stories of my daughter-in-law and my son. And when you see how families can reject family members because they become Christians, that's something I experienced too in my own life when I embraced Christ as Savior. And you feel ashamed. I don't have a relationship with my family. No, don't be ashamed. If people reject you because of your stand for Jesus Christ. Or at work, you don't get promotion. And I don't want to tell people I'm a Christ follower. Don't be ashamed. Turn it to praise. And be thankful that you bear his name. That's what these people did. Uh, sometimes people are denied emergency medical services. Uh, there's a pastor in a Central Asia country who... He's about my age. He never had a salary while he was working, and now he has no retirement. He's simply keeping on working. You know what he's doing? He's collecting cans and bottles on the street, like a poor person. Because that's the only way I have an income. That's in a community where the annual income is about $900 to $1,200 a year. And he has no income. By the way, we can help a person like that. We as a church. And say so we step in, because it doesn't take much to help them. But people have paid the price, and instead of being ashamed, they say, we are gladly going forward and following Jesus. There's something else I have to say here. 
Locally, we also have people who get the same. You may have seen this. Board members sued for religious discrimination after barring student teachers from Christian university. Christian students, students who are studying at a Christian university and accredited college, have been denied the right to teach in public schools in Arizona to do the student teaching because they're Christians. And you can see the date there is March of this year. It's a few weeks ago. Valenius cannibals in HBO's Last of Us spout Bible verses and preach Christianity. And in the episode, the Christian cannibals attempt to rape a young girl. This is a week ago. Does it sound familiar? Vicious people. Uh, wait a minute, didn't Tackett just say something like that? Persecution is real. We should not be ashamed to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am aligned. I am slandered. But it's the truth. Our culture has adopted a serious lie, two serious lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. And the second line is that if you love someone, it means you agree with everything they believe and do. Both are nonsense. Jesus did not agree with people's lifestyles or their beliefs, and yet he loved them unconditionally. He loved them so much he died for them. Let's not buy into that lie. Let's not be ashamed. Let's replace shame with praise. Then he goes on, and the next statement he makes, he says, God is testing, purifying his church through persecution. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? This is simply, and we, this is a sermon by itself. I'm not going to try to go into the depth of this one. It's enough for us to know that Peter reminds us that a time for justice is coming. And God is already purifying his church. And scripture abounds with examples of how he's using difficult situations to purify his church. They talk about the crucible of life, right? And it's not something we make up. It's in Scripture. Isaiah 1 verse 6 says, I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. And in 1 Peter 1, Peter already referred to this. Listen to what he said. In all this, you greatly rejoice. He was talking about some suffering there. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, why? So that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These things happen. But there's a purpose for it to happen. And Peter says, don't be surprised at suffering. God is purifying his church. Uh, it's helping us to become more like him. 
And friends, could I just say this? The only way we can get through this suffering and persecution is to being rooted in God's word. Because it's not what I know, it's not what I resolve. It's if God's word is indwelling me and whether he is there with me. And Jesus preached that in the parable of a sower. He said there, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Then trouble or persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. You and I, the only way we'll stand is if God's truth is embedded in our lives. That's why here at Grace Fellowship Church, we've embarked on this new study, this, this training of freedom in Christ. And if you're in that class, power to you, my sister, my brother. And if you're not, be sure you sign up for the next one. It's intentional discipleship that helped me to get into God's word that helped me to survive at the right time. That's what God is calling us to do. And that's what we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. And then he says a final thing. Never stop doing good even when persecuted and suffering. Peter said, therefore... Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So, I want to say, wait a minute, Peter, do I understand you right? You say, as I'm being persecuted, I have to continue to do good. What good can I do? How do I do it? Well, there's several things Jesus told us. In Matthew 5, 44, he says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love and prayer are two things we can do. In 1 Corinthians 4, 12, he says, When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. And Romans 12 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. If you have to ask yourself, how do you respond when people talk evil about you because you're a Christian? Full disclosure, at times, I want to take revenge. I want to say, Lord God, come from heaven and smite them. And Jesus said, bless them. Do good. How do I do it? How can I absolutely do this. What does it mean? I want to tell a story here about a group in Pakistan. As you can see here, even today, and this is as little as a year ago, a little more than a year ago, pastors were killed there. Peshawar in Pakistan is on about 15 miles from the border of Afghanistan, which is about 25 miles total from where the headquarters of the Taliban is. In all of Pakistan, there's only about 2% of the population are Christians. But then, in that specific area, it's even lower. And they were killed. And a lot of persecution is taking place in that area. Um, I want you to watch a video, it's a short video, um, the music there, it's friends there who put it on for me, uh, they, they did it at least, not for me, they did it, they made it, 
And it will show you some of the persecution people are facing. This is a few years ago when it was an upheaval in persecution there and many churches were destroyed and burned. So watch this movie and see the people even dancing. There's some radicals because they see a Christian church burn. One of the worst cases was a twin suicide bombers bombing that took place at the All Saints Church in Peshawar. Two individuals with bombs around them went on that fatal Sunday into the church, one in the building, one outside where the people were gathered, blew themselves up. 127 Christians were killed and 250 were seriously injured. Um, that's the church. And then the question became, what do we do? Because it was carnage. It was terrible. And it's Christians like you and me that had to say, how does Matthew 5 make sense? Because I don't know. 1 Corinthians 4 says, when reviled, we bless. And Romans 12 says, bless those who persecute. How do we do it? How, Lord? That church made a very specific decision to say, we're going to obey Jesus. We're not retreating, we're staying there. And the organization I'm with uh, helped people, and they said, we want to build peace, and we want to minister to these people. We want to bless them. And what they decided they're going to do is, we want to minister to children with disabilities in this community in Peshawar. That means we have to go out, we'll be visible, we may get further persecution, but that's what we're going to do. And we had the training with them, prepared them for it, and church members, ordinary members, some medical professionals among them, occupied, uh, at least uh, got permission to use part of the old mission hospital just outside the city. And for three years they ministered to people with disabilities. And the first week, only about three, four children came, because people denied that. It's a it's a big shame factor. But by the end of a time, more than 90 children were coming five days a week for therapy, for treatment, to be there. I had the privilege to preach in All Saints Church. You can see these two clocks on the wall. The one on the left is the real time. The one on the right is the clock they left because it, went, it stopped ticking when that bomb went off. And they never took it away. And as I worked there, we helped them to set. We did do some uh, intermediate work. We were able to broker deals that the community at large, I was outsider in a sense, they understand what's going on. And the ministry took place, and, and God blessed. And then we had the closing ceremonies for the next phase to start. Men sit on one side, women on the other side. By the way, those are three other clergy pastors. And it's Cyprian sitting there, my brother and colleague. He's actually from Rwanda. He's a genocide survivor. And he's the one that led the training. They lived for six months there among them doing training. And after it, people were so thankful for what happened to their children, equipment some of the children received. And as we started communicating informally, I talked with this gentleman, and his son obviously has a disability. We had an interpreter, and after a while, when the women were released, his wife came over and she joined us. And we were talking, the interpreter said, she can speak English, and he left. And we talked a little bit, and after about two minutes, 
she took her veil off. That scared me. What's happening? And they could see I'm upset, and they talked, and then she said, okay, husband say okay. I can unveil for family. You are family. What happened there? I wish I could say they've embraced Jesus as Savior. But from burning churches and hating, they say, these people love our children and therefore I'm open to hear more. Men and women, the dream center here are making family of the community at large. Do you understand that? God asks us not to fight those who oppose us and oppose his gospel, but to love and to support. That's what he wants us to do. Just some implications and applications. If you're like me, I'll say, Lord, how long can this persecution go on? I'm tired of it. Can't it stop? Can't it stop? When will it stop? And I've got some good news and bad news for you. Good news is we know when it will stop. The bad news is I don't like how it will stop. Could stop. Because you see, Jesus said... In Revelation 6, 9 to 11, when the Lamb opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters should be complete. Who were, what does it say? To be killed as they themselves have been. Who knows? Some of us in this room may have to be included in that number. So what do we do as we go on from here? Can we stand the persecution and, friends, we are in a storm and the storm will just get bigger and bigger? Can we stand? The answer is no. Could Peter stand in the storm? The answer is no. He couldn't confess Jesus before a little servant girl. But that same Peter, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, was able to proclaim to a thousands of people in a crowd, you crucified Christ, the one I worship. And that same Peter, who couldn't witness to a little girl, 30 years after his conversation at the lake, and Jesus said, go feed my sheep, was able to die upside down on a cross as Jesus showed him what kind of death you will one day honor me. You and I can do it. But as we submit ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and say, Lord, I want to get in your word because your promises will sustain me, God will help us. May God give us grace to follow the example of our sisters and brothers in the Horn of Africa, in Pakistan, in China, everywhere. And be faithful. May God give us grace like Silas and Barnabas to Praise, raise hallelujah in the presence of our enemy. With the church in Pakistan, 
May we raise a hallelujah louder and louder, not softer and softer. And yes, with the church through the centuries, may it be louder and louder, but you can hear it like a roar. May we indeed sing in the storm louder and louder. May God give us grace, not to be surprised, but to change suffering Say we're going to rejoice. We're going to take shame and make it into praise. Yes, Lord, purify your church and may we continue to do good. Let's stand and ask God to help us raise a hallelujah in the darkest of times.